On this episode of Connected, David Danto talks with Gary Hall, president-elect for the Infocom Board of Directors, about the Siegel management problem and how IoT installs require a longer management tail. This and more on Connected. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. 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 Is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is Connected, Episode 6, Seagull Management, recorded May 6th, 2016. And welcome to AV Nation TV's Connected, Everything IoT. I'm your host, David Danto, coming to you this time from UBM's Interop Conference in Las Vegas. Interop is a conference around networking. There's some collaboration talked about here and some IoT. As you take a look at this very interesting kiosk that Interop put together around the 30-year history of IT technology, I'll explain that I'm not at the conference uh, to interview anyone for this particular show. Um, I'm here to give a presentation on the future of work and some of the topics that I'm going to be covering uh, at Infocom coming up. Because Infocom is coming up, uh, and because I needed to find an expert on IoT to give us some perspective right around the corner from Infocom, I couldn't think of anybody better to provide that role for us than Gary Hall. Gary is with Cisco. He is one of the smartest people at Cisco, and that's a difficult thing to say since most of the guys there are brilliant. And he's also the president-elect of the Infocom Board of Directors. Gary will join us to talk about everything IoT from his perspective. So Gary, I come all the way out to an interop show and I wind up uh, interviewing the subject for uh, this episode from my hotel room um, over video <laughs> on my desktop. So if that's not the Internet of Things, I don't know what is. Um, why don't you give us uh, two seconds, Gary, better than I can do, describing uh, you know who you are and uh, why you're important to the industry. Um, Gary Hall, I'm the president-elect for Infocom International, also uh, serving as the uh, strategy planning and operations lead for U.S. federal for Cisco systems. Um, I think, uh, you know, probably the reason that we're talking today is that I have a pretty extensive background in the audiovisual industry, but I'm also leading Cisco's efforts in federal and public sector around digitization and the Internet of Things. Yeah. So why should the Internet of Things be important to the avian collaboration industry? Why is it not just some tangent that's going away? Uh, yeah, I don't think it's going to go away. We've already hit 
the inflection point on that. It actually happened a couple of years ago, around 2008. Uh, the Internet of Things really took off, and we're seeing exponential growth in that space. I think the relevance to the professional audiovisual industry is pretty profound. Right? There's a lot of things that are common, but there's a lot of new things in IoT as well. Uh, we've been talking about this for the last couple of years uh, on the Infocom Board of Directors, obviously within Cisco, um, but also across the industry, I've been having a lot of conversations on this topic. We've had a lot of events on the topic. Um, you know, it was a, a topic at the Connections event recently in San Jose and also at the IoT Insights in Santa Clara. We're going to have a big event on this, um, also called IoT Insights at the Infocom show. But I think the relevance to the audiovisual industry is because while this is an adjacent market environment, it's also a space that um, relies a lot on the same types of technologies that we've traditionally applied in the professional audiovisual environments. Right? So we're talking about audio and video, right? Those are the biggest drivers of the Internet of Things. While that may come from machines now and sensors, it's still the same signals that we've been managing in Pro-AV for quite a long time. I think the opportunity for us in AV is to take the outputs of all of these sensors and start to apply them to the human experience, right? Go from machine to human, because that's really where we operate. The professional audiovisual practitioner has always been right there on that line between technology and people, right? That line between cyberspace and physical space, right? And that's the opportunity that we have to extend out into these edge environments and bring those into the conversation, to, right? to create uh, more relevant outcomes for the end customers and also to apply the technologies to help people to make better decisions. So I think that's where the biggest part of the opportunity is, is in that intersection point between people and technology. Can you take a second uh, for, for people to understand that from a very practical sense with maybe one or two examples of specifically how, uh, how the Internet of Things and some sensor type device will change the way we do what we do? Any, any given examples? It's simple, complex, doesn't really matter. Sure. You know, I think one of the areas that, that we're really interested in is in the novel interfaces. Right, we're talking about things beyond typing and, and uh, you know, connecting directly to the machines, using things like gesture, using things like biometrics, using things like facial recognition to create events. And also, you know, when you walk into a conference room, you're bringing the cloud with you. You're bringing your connections with you on your mobile device, right? So having that device interface to the room systems and then considering all of those peripherals in the room as room scale peripherals to you as an individual and to the device that you bring into the room, right? So your preferences are already with you. When you walk into that room, it can automate a lot of those processes. So I think that's a really interesting one around novel interfaces and the way that we interact with all of the peripherals in the room, the audiovisual equipment, also the uh, the other room systems, right, when we get into shade control and lighting and all of the other connected objects in that room, we're starting to take all those sensors and link them together so that we can create that really seamless and simple user experience in that environment, right? So I think that's one of the big ones. I think also in our space, it's going to be taking content that traditionally happens outside of the boardroom and outside of the live event and bringing it together so that we have a more... Um, 
organic experience where we're, we're blending the lines between remote participants who may not even be human at this point, right? Remote sources of data that are coming in and informing the conversations that are happening in the audiovisual environments. Um, from the live events side, I think there's a huge opportunity to start to apply things like crowdsourcing to the environment, right, so that we can be more interactive and more engaging with that audience, right? Think of it in terms of a house of worship and how you engage and elevate that experience for everyone in that space. Think of it in the performing arts where you're creating not just um, an environment where you receive, but also where the crowd generates uh, more value and more excitement and enthusiasm. So I think there's, there's lots of opportunities to take these sensors, bring that data into the mix, right, and apply that to the human experience. And I think that's where we're going to see a lot of creative uses of audiovisual technologies that then integrate all of these sensors that are coming in through IoT. That's great. I completely agree. The um, uh, We've talked in this um, webcast and past episodes about how important security is to all of this and how overlooked security is. And and I, um, I don't want to put you on the spot, but I do want you to think about answering the question in your role as president-elect, uh, you know, the board of directors of Infocom. We are or have been, and you can disagree with me if you like, um, but we have been an industry of, of, of seagull management where we come in, swoop down, drop something, and then leave and run away. Um, and unfortunately, that's not been very good for the AV industry. Where uh, integrators will install something, they'll do their programming, and they're gone, and that's the end of it. Um, and we had an in incident that happened with uh, with the AV controls uh, uh, for, from AMX Harman. Where uh, um, you know there was this issue with the back door, and it wasn't really as bad as we thought it was. And but the bottom line is that AMX said, "Oh, that's not really a problem anymore because we uh, we fixed that in a patch." And I'm trying to remember the last time anyone in an AV installation ever installed a patch. It's usually in a staged, installed, and we're done. So a long ramp up to a question is, how do we get our industry to change and realize that the integration and the installation and the selection of these components and these human user interfaces are not an install it and go to the next job. They're a permanent relationship between the technician and the user and the room and the provider that's partnering to do it. What do we do to change the industry? Wow. That's a big question. Uh, let me unpack that a little bit, and I'm going to try and address that in two different areas. One of them around consumption model shifts and the expectation of the customers, and the other around security explicitly. Um, I think from the consumption model standpoint, the customers are expecting everyone that provides them services to have an ongoing relationship with them. Right? It's no longer sufficient to drop in some boxes, uh, install some equipment, and walk away for several years until it's time for the next equipment refresh, right? That's not how it works, right? The pace of innovation, the pace of change is happening so quickly that the customers are really looking for platforms that evolve and go to scale over time, right? So that you can bring But you can't you can't argue that you can't argue that that's how a lot of integration firms still in the space still believe how it works. Oh, that's absolutely. still a problem out there. Absolutely. You know, I, I think it's an evolve or die situation for the professional audiovisual community, right? I, it, it really, I can't understate how important it is to start to understand that the customer consumption models are completely changing. And if we as an industry aren't in tune with that change, 
then others will enter into this space and be successful. Now, that, that's not to say it's all doom and gloom, right? There's many, many integrators who are understanding this and understanding that they need to build a long-term relationship with their customers that may drive more of their profit towards services rather than box sales, right? The margin on the equipment uh, is going down, but the margin on knowledge work and application of insights and the ability to develop platforms that can create new applications for the customers is absolutely critically important. You hit on one of the really important reasons that they have to do that because of security, right? The customers um, absolutely must secure their environment. I'm going to come back to that point, but I think there's a couple of other things that are critical here on the consumption model shift. The customers are starting to move towards more service brokering for their IT services, and that's going to impact audiovisual as well. To go to scale on the Internet of Things, to go to scale on applying audiovisual technologies holistically and not just in certain pockets and conference rooms, is going to require the customers to be able to broker services that can be adaptive, that can change, that can add new features as they become available that can integrate with other sources of data so that they can create better and better insights, right? So we're transforming that data through analytics now uh, that's generated through the Internet of Things into knowledge and wisdom that humans can actually use to make better decisions. And that's where it intersects with AV, where we're in those environments where we're making those decisions, right? So for them, for the integration community, and I'd scale this out and say this is absolutely critical to every uh, aspect of the pro AV market space. The manufacturers have to understand how to expose and open their APIs for integration. Gary, let me interrupt you there for a second because it's a very important point that you made and I know you're gonna come back to security, but I want to, to talk as you did about the manufacturers in that you know the manufacturers in the AV industry are doing a lousy job of publishing those APIs, of updating their equipment. I mean, there are certain, you know, again, I, I'm not trying to play favorites here. I know Cisco does a great job at Polycom. Some of the people that are working on the codex do a really nice job, but if you talk about the DSP providers, if you talk about the switching, if you talk about the other pieces, the manufacturers don't have a single standard way of pushing out updates to where it's something that, that wouldn't require restaging in a typical room. So, so how do we get the manufacturers aligned in this process as well? Well, I, thanks for the question. You know, I think it's, um, it's really important that the manufacturers start to understand APIs and how they um, create development platforms. Right, that can integrate uh, many different components within the space, whether those are IoT devices that are coming in to the audiovisual environment or whether those are the audiovisual components within the space, it needs to be addressed more as a platform play. And that comes a lot to you know, the open APIs, that comes to um, you know, generating the ability to, to, to bring all the components together. And I think one of the critical um, elements within our industry to make that happen is the uh, the programmers, right? The independent uh, programmers that traditionally may have uh, done the programming for Crestron, AMX, etc. We're seeing them evolve to software developers, right? And the software developers then can help to create all of the bridging software that allows these different components to come together. So there's dependencies across the board, right? The manufacturers have to have the APIs and have to understand that they're part of an integrated platform. The uh, programmers then have to bring the uh, the skills and expertise together to uh, use the software to integrate those platforms. And then the integrators have to deliver um, the final solution to the customer and then support that system. I think that comes back to 
our original uh, topic of conversation, which was about how do we how do we create an ongoing support model that allows for things like security to be addressed holistically? Um, and you know, I would say that even patching isn't alone isn't even enough at this point, right? We have to look at security across the entire continuum. When we talk about bringing in these um, technologies like IoT and even professional audiovisual technologies, where we haven't traditionally um, considered the security aspects um, thoroughly. Uh, we start to create new attack surfaces on the network that can be exploited. And this is a huge problem that must be addressed. I would go so far as to say that the biggest limiting factor on adoption of the Internet of Things and creating value from the Internet of Things is the security problem. Right? Because we're creating all these new attack surfaces, and not only do they create an opportunity to enter into your network and to exploit your data in your network, but it also creates an opportunity to enter into the network from another point and then attack out to those IoT devices. And in many cases, those devices are automating processes, are, are doing things that are critically important and could be potentially um, physically dangerous if exploited. You know, the example I like to use is the airbag in your car. If you have a connected vehicle and someone hacks into your car through uh, an exposed codec or some other uh, audiovisual device and is able to reach out to your worker in your fleet that's managed through this connected uh, fleet and connected vehicle and deploys that airbag when they're driving 60 miles an hour, that defensive technology has now become an offensive weapon. So those are just that's just an example of the kinds of things that we have to worry about. But what the solution is, is to be able to look at security holistically, look at it end to end. Uh, we talk about it as integrated threat defense. There's many names for it. But when we bring all these new technologies out there at the edge that are attaching to the network, we have to think of how we protect them at every layer. We have to protect at the application level, at the device level, at the network level, at the cloud level, at the fog or Internet of Things edge level. All of that entire continuum has to be protected. So it's a layered protection model that has to be in place. And there has to be intelligence across that continuum. That brings me back to the APIs, back to the integrated platform, because it's not sufficient just to see a problem by a box, right, and put a firewall in place and say, I'm done. Right? It doesn't work that way anymore. We have to have a completely integrated approach to security. And the audiovisual community doesn't have to be the experts in cybersecurity. I don't want people to listen to this and say, oh, my goodness, I have to become an expert in cybersecurity and digitization and Internet of Things, and I have to do all these things and completely disrupt my business. I don't think so. I think it's a matter of understanding their place in this continuum and knowing that they have to reach out and expose themselves to these other trades that are are, um, are part of the solution set, right? And we got to think more in terms of the outcomes for the customers, the solutions that we're driving, and what our technologies and our services are able to bring to those customers. It, I don't see it changing fast enough, and I'm really scratching my head about that. Um, I'm not an end user anymore. I, I, a 38-year career, last five years now, I've been on the on the sell side with dimension data. Um, but but if I were an end user now, I would feel like my pants are on fire. Um, I would want to be reaching out and say, what's going on in my rooms? Let, let's do some pen tests with some of these systems. You know, a lot of uh, um, um, end users are making the choice, you know, to buy one-piece products for their rooms. 
because getting a single patch from one manufacturer like Cisco is a hell of a lot easier than getting patches from all the various components that are in the room. And we're still talking about an industry that 10 years ago would program in their control system the driver for one brand display. And if that display flaked out and they needed to get a new one, it was the next version you needed to come back in and reprogram it again. That type of speed to market around the customization of programming isn't going to cut it in this world anymore. When you get an exposure like a heart bleed or any one of the other you know, malware pieces that we've heard about, you would get that patched in, in hours or days. It's not on the same time scale. So, so we both agree as to what's going on. And I completely appreciate your explanation. I'm confused. Why isn't anybody moving quicker on this in our industry? Yeah, I think there are some that are really trying to get this. And I think those are the ones that are going to have that first mover advantage within our industry uh, that, that's going to be very profitable for them. And you know, I think there's others that, to your point, have not gotten it yet. And I personally worry uh, that if they don't get it, that their business is going to be highly disrupted. We're, we're seeing that in IT with this digital disruption. You know, the projections are that four out of the 10 uh, big industry, and we're talking Fortune 500 type companies, are going to be disrupted in the next three years, not in the next 10 years, in the next three years, because this pace of change is happening so quickly that um, you know, it's not just limited to our industry. So that's the good news is that this, is, this digital disruption thing that's happening is impacting every business and every business has some component of IT that they're dependent on, right? So it doesn't matter what you do for a living, IT is critical to your business operations. And I would go so far as to say that audiovisual is an even higher dependency because audiovisual is where the humans who are making these decisions are actually interfacing with each other and with the technology. And I think that's a higher order than IT where we're talking about cyberspace and we're talking about moving around data. We're actually talking about applying data and applying the technologies in our space, in our physical environment, that connection between analog and digital, that connection between people and machines that we keep coming back to. I, I think there's some that really are starting to understand this. I think that they're going to find it to be uh, very profitable because the, the market's shifting, right? And that's what you know, if we're talking to the integration community, uh, we need to talk in terms of opportunity. I think our industry has often thought more in terms of risk than an opportunity. And I think it's time to shift our thinking a little bit. Um, you know, obviously there's risks there. There's been risks from new entrants into our space. There's been risk from IT convergence. There's been risk um, from commoditized and consumer technologies. There's risks that uh, face every industry and our industry is no exception. I think we focus too much on the risk and maybe not enough on the opportunity because when I think it, it comes to applying these platforms, when it comes to helping our customers to digitize their audiovisual experience, to give them those great capabilities that they want and to do it in a secure way, I, I think we have a long way to go there to your point, but I think those that get it are going to raise their profitability. Now they may they may lower some revenue on the product side to get there, but they're going to make up for that in higher margin services, software, and higher margin um, knowledge work, right, that applies the insights from the data. Um, you know, I, I don't expect our industry to overnight become experts in cybersecurity, but I do expect our industry to know that there's a bigger uh, 
bigger world out there that they're a part of, and we have to embrace that. We can't just you know, close off our rooms, make one connection out, and call it a day. We have to start understanding how we play, how we broker cloud services for our customers, how we move to more services, how we maintain the long-term relationship with our customers, going back to your original point, how we drive um, security and analytics into our space. I think analytics is another area that is ripe for us. So, you know, I think there's huge, huge opportunity. And I think there's a lot of opportunity for profitable business. Um, but those who don't get that, and those who think that they can continue to sell um, equipment and integrate it and walk away and not think about the long-term impacts to their customers, they're, they're not going to be successful. Um, and it, it may come sooner than they think. It will. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm totally in agreement. Totally in agreement with you. And honestly, I'm completely stunned that there aren't more organizations, you know, like the one that I work for, offering security reviews of AV systems and AV equipment. Because, you know, it's, it's such an easy thing to do. There are so many problems that can be discovered. And I've got a feeling that a lot of end users in the space are going to start buying those services. Quarterly review, annual review, where are my weaknesses? Let's do some pen testing. Let's figure it out. It's, it's absolutely essential. And I'm surprised, you know, other than Dementia Data, I don't know who else is selling it. So it's, 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 let, let's look back again next year and see if anybody else has joined the parade. Um, so let's, let's switch gears for a second. As we're talking today, um, we're one month away from Infocom. Um, and I know Infocom uh, in Las Vegas this year is going to be a very big show for both of us. We're both speaking at uh, on Super Tuesday Unified Communication Summit um, in the afternoon. I know you're doing um, a, an IoT piece on that day as well. What are the top five highlights um, around the Internet of Things and, and connected devices that, that you would uh, um, advise people attending the show to keep an eye out for? Yeah, so, you know, I'll take that in slightly... Uh, different direction. I think there's a combination of events where they can gain knowledge uh, as well as things to look for on the show floor. I don't know if they're going to add up to five or seven or three, but we'll we'll see how it goes. Um, so uh, Just trying to put some wrapper around it. Yeah, one, we're doing the IoT Insights. Uh, we're also talking about it in terms of unified communications and collaboration. I'm sure it's going to enter into um, lots and lots of the presentations and seminars and sessions in some way, shape, or form, helping the industry to understand what the opportunity is as they connect IoT devices into the audiovisual space. And I think the opportunity is really interesting, right? Because there's one opportunity, um, like we've been talking about, that benefits the customers. But what about the opportunities that benefit us in performing our work better, being more efficient uh, ourselves in the way we deliver services to the customers. You know, if you look at the manufacturers, things like automating your manufacturing using IoT, right? If you're looking at the integrators, things that they can do to increase and improve their supply chain management, for example, right? And their fleet management. There's lots of things that we can do as an industry to adopt the technologies to our own benefit as well as to our customers. So a little segue there. Um, on the show floor, you know, uh, I'd look... Um, I'd look to those who are innovating and that are creating uh, platform plays, right? Those who are um, looking beyond the bounds of professional audiovisual and integrating other things like building systems, looking at those who have APIs. And I would challenge the manufacturers uh, to tell you their strategy around the Internet of Things and how they're going to digitize and how they're providing value to the customers from a line of business perspective and not just, well, these go to 11, right? This is a really neat box. Look <laughs> at all the inputs and outputs. 
you know what, frankly, most of the customers don't care that much about the inputs and outputs anymore. What they care about is the outcomes, right? And that's what I would challenge people to do is go there and, and talk to the manufacturers and ask them, what's your future? What are you going to do uh, in the cloud? What are you going to do around IoT? What are you going to do to help your customers to digitize? And if they don't give you a good answer, maybe you go to the next booth. But you know, I would also look for some of the things like we talked about, novel displays, right? See who's innovating in that space. Um, look at, I mean, not, not novel displays, but um, uh, novel interfaces, right? Where you're, you're doing different things with, um, with gesture, with facial recognition, et cetera, with biometrics um, and other ways to interact. Uh, look for those that have the ability to integrate to your smartphone when you walk into the room uh, and to control their devices and systems that way. Um, look at things like voice control, right? I think that's going to be big. We're already seeing that in the consumer space. I think we're going to see it um, you know, starting to transform uh, the, the built environment for audiovisual as well. Look, if you're in the live events space, for things that you can do that are going to uh, integrate sensors into the experiences that you're creating for your customers and help with things like crowdsourcing and you know instant um, surveys and those sorts of things. I think there's some interesting things happening there. Look, um, look for the drones on the you know in the pavilion there. Unfortunately, I think in Las Vegas we're not allowed to fly those things around. Uh, some of the other shows I've been to around the world, uh, they have a little bit more uh, liberal take on what you can and can't do in a convention hall. So you can see those things flying around if you go to some of the international shows. But I think in Las Vegas, you know, go go talk to those folks and think, you know, what what can I do with these technologies? I think that's really, at the end of the day, when you're there at the show and, um, you know, you've had a good time, you've seen some good technologies, you've went to uh, some interesting training and seminars and sessions, um, start to think, how do I apply this stuff? How do I, how do I, how do I change my customer's business, right? How do I, how do I rethink what I do as a consultant, as an integrator, as a manufacturer, as an end user technology manager, whatever your market segment is that you align to, how do you do things differently to make your business better and to make your customers, because everyone has a customer, whether it's an internal or external customer, how do I make their experience with AV exciting and interesting and exceptional. Mm -hmm. It's the whole business transformation journey. Totally agree. Um, so Infocom is June 4th to 10th in Las Vegas. Anybody who wants information about that can go to the web at infocomshow.org. Um, Gary, if people want to reach out to you, how should people find you or reach out to you? Uh, probably through LinkedIn. I, I think it's Gary L. Hall is my handle there on LinkedIn. You can find me on Twitter as well. Um, Probably those are the best two. Uh, if people want to find me at the show, um, just ask at the Infocom booth, and they'll uh, they'll track me down for you. And um, come to the come to the events. That's probably the best way to to engage with me at the show is come to the IoT Insights, uh, come to the Unified Communications and Collaboration sessions on Tuesday. And um, you know, I, I think I'm going to be doing a fireside chat there in the Infocom booth at some point on Wednesday. Um, there's lots of lots of ways to talk with me, and there's lots of ways to talk with others in the industry who are trying to uh, to drive some innovation and and uh, you know, help our industry move forward.
You know, totally agree. If you're um, if you're going to Infocom and you're not actually going to some of the sessions and just spending your time on the show floor, you're losing a huge opportunity to network, get some great information, hear from people like Gary and myself and a lot of other terrific professionals. So we're we're totally on the same page, Gary. Thank you very much for spending time uh, with uh, the AV Nation audience today, and um, I'll see you in a month. Thanks, David. It was a pleasure. See ya. So that's it for this episode of AV Nation TV's Connected Everything IoT. My name is David Danto, your host. For everyone at AV Nation and for the IMCCA, thanks very much for joining us, and hopefully I'll see you at Infocom. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation.